The Church of Wells is a young evangelical group out of Wells, Texas, criticized for what many consider an aggressive form of street preaching. Some town residents even call it harassment. Though its church members appear to be clean-cut and preppy, media reports have revealed a sinister underbelly, starting when a baby died under a church member's watch. Today, we're going to tell you about the small-town Texas church that has been accused of separating members from their families and brainwashing them. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sinister Societies, a Spotify original from Parcast. I am Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. Every week, we're going to cover your favorite cults, faith followers, and secret societies. We'll look at how some of the biggest secretive societies and cults have made their fortunes. And how they've also managed to run in plain sight and permeate into your everyday life. Today, we're speaking about the Church of Wells, which was founded by graduates of Baylor University in 2010. The three founders, or elders as they call themselves, ding, 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 were passionate about convincing others to return to Christ. But their extreme interpretation of the Bible and confrontational style of preaching was off-putting for many. In this episode, we'll get into the death of a newborn baby, which sparked media interest in the group. We'll also talk about the multiple families who report losing their loved ones to the group, which encourages disconnecting from friends and family in order to reach salvation. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, The Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, The Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. So let's get into the lives of the three founders of the Church of Wells. The Church of Wells was founded in 2010 by three men, surprise, surprise, who had met at Baylor University in Waco, Texas. A lot of stuff goes down in Waco, Texas. Why does that ring a bell? (laughs) Why does that ring a giant cult wind chime? Oh dear. Well, you'll have to wait for another episode to find out about that. (laughs) So these three men, Sean Morris, Jacob Gardner, and Ryan Ringnold. Sean Morris came from a family of preachers and Sunday school teachers, so he's prime. He's ready to take his throne. Former friends recall that he was unwilling to accept anyone as Christian unless they did it his way. How Christian of him. How Christian. (laughs) How love thy neighbor. A former college roommate said this of Morris, quote, he'd always pick out these very specific verses about fire and brimstone. He completely missed everything out about love or gentleness. And therein is the problem. Yes. Because... uh, there's lots of both of those things in there, like there are in all those religious texts. A lot less fire and brimstone. Mm, and people can just pick the bits they like. Mm-hmm. Kasia Martins began dating Morris, Jesus Christ, Kasia, I'm sorry for you, when they were both sophomores at Baylor. Morris had recently found Jesus, and according to Martins, had started evangelizing to anyone who would listen. 
Over the course of their two-year relationship, Martins told Texas Monthly magazine that she noticed Morris becoming more and more fundamentalist in his religious views. It's important to note here that this information is from Martin's account only. Morris refused to comment for the article because nothing says evangelical Christian rather than no comment. So the couple would spend hours discussing religion and studying scriptures. How romantic. Morris complained that Martin's clothes were too immodest and would cause lust in men. So she started wearing baggy shirts and big jeans and stopped using makeup. So in the spring of 2007, classmates recall getting a flash of Morris's reported extremism. According to one student, during a discussion of ecofeminism, Morris, quote, tried to explain why, based on the Bible and just common sense, that men were supposed to be dominant and women were supposed to be submissive. To support this argument, Morris apparently said that he could beat up any woman, which elicited gasps from his classmates. A classic case of just because you can doesn't mean you should. So, when Martins broke up with Morris... I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. <laughs> She's like, can you please stop threatening to beat all the women up, please? It's not making me look very good. Yeah. And, then, and I'm already in this baggy t-shirt that's know, doing me no favours. No makeup, baggy t-shirt. And I'm the one whose boyfriend gets gasped at by everybody in this already aggressively Christian, possibly, college. So she breaks up with him two years after they'd started dating. So they made two years, which is, what's that? Paper? I don't know. Anyway, so Morris, that Regret, only counts probably. after you um, get married, right? Yeah. So Morris reportedly told her that she was, quote, disobeying the Lord and renouncing her faith by not marrying him. Nothing says I'm not an egomaniac, mm -hmm. narcissistic, megalomaniac, crazy like saying that if somebody breaks up with you, that they are directly disappointing Jesus and God. Yeah, also sounds like he quite wanted to fuck. Mm. And then he was like, put this baggy shirt on so you don't meet somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Ryan Ringnold, another founder of the Church of Wells, was having a more stereotypical college experience. He joined a fraternity, played club tennis, and majored in speech communication. He was well-liked in his fraternity. His friends, however, started to notice that he seemed to do things to the extreme and tended to get obsessed with whatever his current interest was. We all know someone like that. They go rock climbing once and then they buy all the stuff. It just sits in the cupboard. Their name's Hannah Maguire. But because of this extreme behavior, no one thought much of it when he became obsessed with God during his sophomore year of college. Friends thought it was just another passing phase and wrote it off. Imagine how intense you have to be that you become like an extreme, like God, God, Godo, and your friends are just like, Ah, he'll pass. Classic. <laughs> so uh, he kept going along with his newfound affinity for religion. Ringnold gave up tobacco, alcohol and dating. Ringnold, with his newly discovered religious obsession and chastity, along with the now single Morris, threw themselves into a new wonderful friendship. Uh-oh. <laughs> By the time the two graduated in 2008... They were full-time evangelists, taking to the streets to preach their version of the gospel. Can one be a full... Can you describe yourself as a full-time evangelist if you're doing it for free? Like, for our other show, Red Hand, mm -hmm. um, I'm researching a lot of protests that happened in Ireland in the 80s. And, like, well-renowned feminist Nell McCafferty, I think her name is, wrote a book on it. She was talking about the protests outside the, the courthouse. And she was like, you know, it was it was unwed mothers, it was mothers working from home, it was people who wanted to get divorced, and unemployed full-time radicals. 
Well, 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 I would say you can be a full-time radical or a full-time evangelist, but you can't call yourself a professional. You know what? Fair. Fair. Yeah, I'll take that. Can't be a professional evangelist mm-hmm. unless you're making, making the big bucks off it. <laughs> they spent two years preaching on college campuses and on the streets of Philadelphia, New York, Florida, and even South Africa. By July 2010, they'd grown a small following and wanted to establish a base to work from. And they chose Arlington, Texas, calling themselves the Church of Arlington. Not winning any most original pub quiz team names with that one. No, not the best. So after a short amount of time, they decided to move to Wells, Texas, where the real estate was cheaper. And with that, the Church of Wells was born. Coming up, we'll get into the church's strict teachings, as well as the tension that boiled over between church members and the residents of the town of Wells. Welcome back. Let's get into the Church of Wells' teachings and their use of what many characterize as aggressive street preaching. The Church of Wells has over 50 members, really pulling in the huge numbers. Most of these 50 members appear on the church's website, and they appear to be white, young, and clean-cut. The church teaches that the Bible is the literal word of God, although I bet they all wear blended fabrics, and that Jesus died for mankind's sins. It's not that different from a whole host of other churches that are out there. But what sets the Church of Wells apart is the strictness to which they hold their followers to that belief. No takesy-backsies, no mistakesies, mm-hmm. it sounds like. The church is known for a style of preaching in public that many perceive as aggressive, and Wells residents say that they have been preached at by church members sometimes more than once in one day. May chill. It's not what you want when you're on the way to the fucking post office, is no, it? Like, leave me alone. Yeah. I saw you yesterday. Yeah, leave me to my eternal damnation, thank you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and the church has gained notoriety by posting videos of their confrontational preachings on their website. So they're taking a little bit of a leaf out of the old mm-hmm. uh, Westboro Baptist Church book there and trying to go viral. Uh, one video shows them yelling at people leaving a Houston nightclub, quote, Jesus sees your sins and he will judge you on that day. Oh my God, help. (laughs) And like, he sees them anyway. Doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. Oh my God, this, that is. Just imagine being, walking out of a nightclub. You're drunk, you just want to get a McDonald's, you want to go home. Uh, I don't think I've ever remembered walking out of a nightclub. No, and somebody is... You probably would, maybe, if somebody was yelling at you that Jesus sees all your sins. I don't know. It depends if I'd had a McDonald's yet. (laughs) The motivation for the style of preaching that uh, the Church of Wells engaged in seems to come from a man named Leonard Ravenhill, who was an evangelist who died in 1994. Several videos of his excerpt on the Church of Wells' website say that followers must face persecution in order to become true Christians. The persecuted Christian rhetoric is one of my least favorites in the world. Like, no one's after you anymore. In the West, you're fine. 
throw you to the lions myself. Not in Austin, Texas, perhaps. Or wherever they are. <laughs> yeah, in Austin, Texas. Texas. I, I'm Sorry, sure not Austin. the persecution <laughs> barometer is, is uh, completely Guy still high. at zero. In one video, Raven Hill says, quote, When we get to heaven, dear brother, God isn't going to ask where your diploma is. He's not looking for medals. He's looking for scars. A Church of Wales member was arrested and charged with disturbing the peace and disrupting a religious service in Saranac Lake, New York, in 2016. The church member told the press, quote, If a church that's claiming to be a church of Jesus Christ is not doing its job, it's worthy of rebuke. He was later found guilty of disorderly conduct. The narcissism never ceases. Mm -mm. Like, they are not only... Again, it comes back to that. You are not Christian unless you do Christianing the way I say it is Christian. Yeah. To do so. And also, disrupting a religious service seems like an odd criminal charge. Is that a crime? Mm, Maybe it depends on what you're yelling when you do it. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder how many years disrupting a religious (laughs) service happens and whether it's dependent on religion. So let's talk about the town of Wells itself. It's uh, small. Uh, Texas is obviously absolutely massive, but Wells is a small part of it. It has a population of under 800 residents. I think that qualifies as a hamlet, doesn't it? And it has seen its fair share of religious movements. In the past, there have been Mormons, the Church of Christ, Methodists, Pentecostals, and Baptists. But the Church of Wells struggled to integrate into the town. Only one resident of Wells, the wife of the former mayor, joined the church after they moved to the town. That screams of bored housewife to me. Yeah, they're not. The Church of Wells, unlike other groups that we have come across on sinister societies, they're not very good at growing their base. No, I would say they're the worst recruiters we've ever seen on this show. And also, the people of Wells were being preached at all the time. They didn't like it. It happened multiple, multiple times a day. Uh, The one thing I did not miss over the pandemic was the the charity people who come and talk to you in the street that are like, do you want to donate this money every month to Macmillan? No. No. And then when I cross the road to avoid them, then I'm like, why are you making me feel bad? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't fair. I'm like, look, I used to do your job. I used to do that job. I know your game. Leave me alone. (laughs) So the people of Wales are not happy. Uh, Things came to a head in 2014 during the town's annual homecoming parade. Residents claim church members told a four-year-old that she was going to hell. I believe it. Oh, but yeah, no, I, I have no questions about that at all. Four-year-old. <laughs> but, you know, most Christian doctrine is that unbaptized children stay in purgatory forever. They, they gotta know. You got, you're four, why are you crying? Yeah. You've got to understand mm-hmm. that you're going to hell. Can you understand the English language? Then you're old all enough you to know. you need to know is that it's over. So church members denied that they told a four-year-old that she was going to hell, but they did say, quote... At the age of the knowledge of good and evil, she needs to know she's going to hell and she needs to know how to be saved. And this wasn't the first time the church had commented on the need to bring children to Christ. Church leaders have spoken openly about the need to, quote, break the will of children in order to save them from sin. Before its closing in 2015, the R&R Mercantile, the town's only grocery store, was owned by a Church of Wales member. The store did not sell cigarettes or lottery tickets. Now, what's the point? I know. It's the only supermarket as well. So it's not even like people can be like, well, I'll just go pick it up next door. Yeah. They are directly cutting off the town's supply yeah, some of, of cigarettes and lottery tickets. want to gamble and die. Leave <laughs> us to it. 
So the homecoming parade incident led to a boycott of the R&R Mercantile store, which was then forced to close as a result. They really are like, we're just going to completely fuck ourselves over financially yeah, speaking. But there's nothing like a bit of civil action. I love that. No, I know. Run right. them out of town. Boycott. Damn right. It's <laughs> the only time a boycott's ever fucking worked. <laughs> Coming up, we'll get into the shocking death of a baby under the watch of church members, as well as the families that say their loved ones have been taken over by the Church of Wells. So let's get into the sinister stories that brought unwanted media attention to the Church of Wells. In 2012, a member of the Church of Wells gave birth to a baby who died three days later of pulmonary valve stenosis, which prevents blood from getting oxygen. The parents did not call for paramedics for 15 hours following the baby's death. It was only after they concluded a prayer session that help was called. No charges were brought for the baby's death, although it was determined that the mother had received no prenatal care. The church responded to the baby's death by saying that they believed that God can heal. They prayed to God when the baby fell ill, wanting to give God a chance to heal the baby. The story of Catherine Grove, who joined the Church of Wells in 2013, added to the group's notoriety. She left her parents' home in Arkansas in the middle of the night after giving away all her possessions to Goodwill. Her parents knew nothing of her whereabouts until five days later, when she told them that she had joined the church. Do you know what this reminds me of? ISIS. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Young girls stealing away in the middle of the night with uh, none of their worldly possessions to fight the good fight. Mm -hmm. Grove's parents drove to Wells where they were able to meet Catherine, accompanied by one of the Church of Wells' elders, Ryan Ringnold, who you will remember from earlier. He reportedly accused the Groves of trying to kidnap their daughter. Her parents met with her two more times, but Catherine told them she didn't need them anymore after that. Hearing the Grove's story, the media reached out to the church elders, who said that Catherine was free to go whenever she chose. Months after she joined the church, Catherine was found wandering in the woods after a midnight prayer meeting. Authorities offered to take her to a shelter, but she elected to go back to the church. In 2015, Catherine fled the church and was seen walking along a highway at night. After calling 911, Catherine was reunited with her parents at a sheriff's office. She went back to Arkansas with them, but shortly after came back to the Church of Wells. In a video posted to the church's YouTube channel, Catherine appears exhausted and scared, but announces her plans to marry a church member. But also in the video, Catherine says that she acted of her own accord after her family accused her church of falsehoods. In 2016, a Texan family reported their son, Jordan Reichenberger, missing. He had gone to downtown Austin to preach the Bible and never came home. Jordan called his family a few days later, saying he was with the Church of Wells. When his parents came to get him five days later, they reportedly endured hours of discussion with the church elders about Jordan leaving the compound. Once his parents managed to get him home, a drug test showed 
that he had sleeping pills and muscle relaxers in his system. Jordan said he didn't knowingly consume any medication and felt like he was, quote, in a haze during his first few days with the Church of Wells. The church, however, denies any wrongdoing in this matter. The church denies drugging any member and calls the accusation slanderous. In a video, they say that when someone has sin in their life, they often don't feel at peace, which could be what Jordan was experiencing. There are numerous additional stories that we could tell you of families losing touch with a family member after they joined the Church of Wells. One parent reported speaking to her son, who was in the church, just twice a year. She said, quote, I'll try to take the conversation somewhere else. And he just brings it back to the scripture. God, at that point, you're so boring. I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> Stay where you are, son. <laughs> Another couple with uh, a son in the Church of Wells said that when they do communicate with him, quote, the only words he says to us are, you're going to hell. Boo, boring. Yeah, yeah. Tell me something I don't know. And after their son had a child, he came to visit his family, but they put time limits on how much breaching they would allow him to do on how lost they were. That See, that is good parenting tactics. Yeah. Being like, yes, you can talk about mm -hmm. hell and damnation for 20 minutes, yeah. and then it's quiet time. Yeah, yeah. And then we're going to talk about something else as a family. And then we're all going to sit on our iPhones <laughs> the way it was meant to be, the way mm. Jesus intended. Absolutely. Another former member of the church uploaded a YouTube video in 2015 that said, quote, there is a dangerous spirit of control that is in the leaders of this church, which is uh, putting it quite lightly, I would say. Duh. <laughs> yeah. In 2015, a reporter from Texas Monthly asked the church elders about multiple church members who were estranged from their families, seeing as it is a prerequisite for membership. That's hardly surprising. And Sean Morris said to this, quote, these parents who are angry to refuse to talk about the scriptures is to deny Christ and it's to hate their souls and to wish them damnation in hell. And that's one thing we cannot do by God's grace. All right, mate. <laughs> Pipe down. <laughs> the Church of Wales continues to this very day. As of 2022, they have over 2000 subscribers to their YouTube channel where they post church sermons and preachings. Is that a comment section I'm going to go and look at directly after this? Yes, absolutely. That will be the best use of all of our time <laughs> after this. I'm definitely going to I wonder what the ratio is to troll and praise oh. Jesus. I don't know. Let's have a look. Bet gun girls in there. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. And we'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Sinister Societies on Spotify to get a brand new episode every week. You can listen to this and all other episodes of Sinister Societies for free exclusively on Spotify. And we just want to give a shout out to the articles we referenced in this episode. We use reporting from the Texas Observer, Texas Monthly and the Cult Education Institute. And if you like this show, make sure you follow Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And if you like our voices, maybe even our faces, if you don't know what they are like, 
don't worry about it. Um, you can come over to our mothership, which is Red Handed, which is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. And at the moment, we've been doing a lot of chatting about Russia. Mm-hmm. We've got a two-parter on the poisonings of Alexander Litvinenko and also um, Sergei Skripal and his daughter, Yulia. So come check that out if you fancy it. It's very timely. Also, we've been to Texas loads of times. I'm trying to think, oh, we went to Texas for Andrea Yates, the Andrea oh, yeah. Yates case. So if you don't know the Andrea Yates case, it is, of course, a terrible case of a young mother who um, tragically kills all five of her children, and that goes down in Texas. So whatever you fancy, if you like your crime true and weird and delivered by us, then come listen to Red Handed, and we'll see you next time. Sinister Societies is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo, Gemma Waters and Tracy Levy. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Jamie Ryan. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro. Researched by Chelsea Wood and fact-checking by Cara McAleen. And we're your hosts, Hannah Maguire and Saruti Bala. <laughs> <laughs>